You want to come up here and listen? Come on up here. Come up behind me. My name's Joe Biden, Vice President Biden. Everybody come on up and stand with me. And Corn Pop was a bad dude. And he ran a bunch of bad boys. And I did. And back in those days, to show how things have changed, one of the things you had to use, if you used pomade in your hair, you had to wear a bathing cap. And so he was up on the board, wouldn't listen to me. I said, hey, Esther, you, off the board, or I'll come up and drag you off. And by the way, you know, I sit on the stand, and it get hot. I got a lot of, I got hairy legs that turn, that, 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 that turn, uh, um, that turn, that, 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 that turn, uh, um, and the kids used to come up and reach in the pool and rub my leg down so it was straight and then watch the hair come back up again. They'd look at it. So I learned about roaches. 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 I learned about kids jumping on my lap. Hey, Onda. You're listening to the Life in Paradise podcast. My name's Brandon Harper, and I'm just a regular dude with tons of opinions. Chances are you'll love some and you'll hate some. But just remember, we can still be friends. In today's world of two highly divisible teams, I really don't fall into a category. My goal for this podcast is to share my experiences and thoughts with you, and hopefully it will help you to formulate your own opinions. I'm not here to change minds, debate, or fight. Okay, so maybe I enjoy a good debate every now and then. But I'm here to offer my opinions, and I don't expect everyone to agree. Just think about how boring the world would be if we all had the same opinions. How in the world is this paradise, you say? Well, you'll just have to keep listening to find out. Just remember, this stuff can't be made up. Buenos dias. Today is July 14th, 2020. I'm chilling here in uh, southern central middle Tennessee. And I'm not good enough with this new equipment to figure out how to make the mics less sensitive. Before recording, I have to go through this big ritual. I have to turn off the air conditioner. and have to unplug the refrigerator. I have to make sure the dogs have gone out so they won't start walking around and clicking their toenails all over the floor. I have to make sure that there's no water in the water bowl so they don't start drinking and lapping up sounds come through the mic. All that stuff. Just because I don't know how to adjust the mic properly. I mean, I feel like you should be able to adjust the mic so that it picks up just what's close to it. But that's not the case. It sucks that I don't even know who to ask. You know, like I Google the stuff about this equipment and it's like, oh... You don't know how to work that? Well, yeah, you shouldn't have it. I mean, that's not what people say to me, but that's kind of what I get the feeling. Like, if you have to ask how to work it, you don't have the right thing. Which is probably right. Story of my life. But you didn't come here to listen to all that. You didn't come here to listen to all that complaining and griping, carrying on. For those of you who aren't from Texas or may not know what's going on, we're in like some semi-shutdown state where... Some businesses can do this, but not that. And these businesses have to do this and they can't do that. And da, 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 da. And it's just, it's super annoying. I get it. I'm not here to talk about whether or not it's the right thing to do. I'm just saying that's the state that we're in. So Governor Greg Abbott, in his infinite wisdom, which might I add, he's a man of no backbone. Spineless. Spineless, I tell you. But he's got some bird chirping in his ear. 
telling them to close down bars, close down the bars. That's where all the the evil happens in the COVID. COVID goes into bars and it gets the, the drinkers, you know, and people getting in there drinking, doing all that, carrying on. They're going to spread it and we got to shut them down. So instead of looking at things like square footage and the way that these bars are situated and occupancy levels, they just use the determination of if 51% of your revenues comes from alcohol, you're considered a bar and you must close down. Oh, oh, but don't worry. You can sell beer to go. You can sell alcohol to go. So that'll just uh, prolong your, your slow death. Unfortunately, breweries fall into this category because obviously their sales come from alcohol, from beer. Breweries are not bars. They don't operate the same way. People don't behave the same way inside them. It's just a designation issued by the Tax Collection Authority. So what this has done is this has taken even breweries that have restaurants inside them, they're counting their distribution sales as part of their total sales. So if I own a brewery and I do 10,000 sales of food and I do 9,000 sales of beer in the brewery, but I do 2,000 sales of beer outside the brewery, I mean, I take it to other restaurants and I deliver to them, now I'm considered a bar and I can't serve food. Well, I, I can serve food, but only to go. Do you people see how ridiculous this is? I mean, I don't understand why people are not raising hell. I tell you, they are. They're, they're raising hell. Bar owners are the only ones who are saying anything. Guess who's not chirping in the ear of Governor Abbott? Bar owners. So that's my little rant about the way things are working. All that to lead into this. Why have politicians over the course of time transformed from civic leaders, community pillars, and business people into spineless snake oil salesmen. Their only goal is to get reelected. So instead of them doing the right thing, what they think is right for the country and right for the people who vote for them, they try to just please as many people as they can to maintain order and get reelected. And if you disagree with that, I'd like to see some examples. Let's face it. There's some great perks in being a politician. You have mayors that get to travel the world on the taxpayers' dimes to go visit sister cities and do ribbon-cutting ceremonies and to sponsor various projects. That goes all the way up. It goes all the way up. Politicians don't sign up for politics because of their salary. They sign up for it because of the perks that they get and the book deals and the speaking engagements and the preferential treatment. I mean... I would have no problem making all that public. You should be able to go to a website and click on it and see how much they made. So I say we either pay politicians tons of money, like tons and tons and tons of money, or we don't pay them anything. And I know the first route seems kind of crazy. Let's think about that. Pay politicians tons and tons and tons of money. So first of all, who would we get for politicians? If we, if we offered, let's just say that the governor of Texas got 650000 a year. Or let's say you got $1.5 million. I mean, that's not much different in the grand scheme of the Texas budget. Let's say you got $1.5 million. Who all would be applying for that position? It would be a lot of people. Because what you end up with in politics are people who couldn't hack it in the business world. And that's how it shifted. It's my opinion that politics shifted from community leaders and civic servants to snake oil salesmen. Because the private sector snatches up all the good people. And it takes the decision makers out of the, the pool. So now all you have to left to vote for 
are people whose dad was the president or his brother was the governor, his sister was the attorney general, and they came up and they shook all the right hands and they went to the right schools and they know the right people and they get elected. And yeah, sure, some of them try to change things, but for the most part, they just want to maintain status quo. I feel like that most people in politics, if you gave them two options, you could either be loved by half the people and hated by half the people, or the entire population could just feel kind of meh about you, but you knew you'd have a seat in politics forever. I think most of them would choose the second one. But we need people who would be willing to stand up and make decisions. <clears throat> and I fully understand that a lot of politicians get pressure from their constituents. I just wrote a letter to Greg Abbott about the brewery situation. And I think it's their responsibility. If they get pressure from their constituents, it's their responsibility to go back and, and explain the whys. It's their responsibility to go back and explain to the people, hey, I hear your concern, and this is my reasoning for not doing things that way. That's it. I mean... If you have a way for doing things and you feel like it's better than what the people are telling you, sure, I understand that happens. There's lots of stupid people out there. There really is. And now they all have a voice. So I understand that you can't just do what the people tell you to do, but you should give them a response. I mean, a good leader of an organization, of the military, if you, if you are at a level of where it's not inappropriate to challenge someone's decision and you do it respectfully, a good leader will give you an answer. They'll tell you why. A good leader will say, hey, bring me any idea. You can come to me with any idea you want to, and I'll hear you out. I may not use it, and then I'll tell you why I won't use it, or I will. Maybe they will use it. From the onset of this corona thing, I think that the top officials or the elected officials, they're not saying, they're not thinking through statistics, thinking what should we do? How should we handle this? What sh- how can we manage this? They're looking around saying, what are they doing? Well, what's everyone else doing? Oh, yeah, what did New York do? What did Sweden do? What did Denmark do? What's California doing? And they're just going to follow that. And I get it. No one wants to be the one to put heads on the chopping block. But someone's going to do it. If, if no one does it, then we're just going to float through this willy-nilly, and we're going to th- take all the cards up, just throw them in the air, and let them come down. And, and that's not the right way to do it. I really do feel like we need more leadership all the way around, especially at the local levels, community levels. You know, we got county judges making decisions, and the only people who vote for county judges are their friends and family. I mean, most people couldn't tell me who their county judge is. Most people think that a county judge is an actual judge in a courtroom. They don't even understand the, the position. And we're letting them make the decisions, and, and they're not making them. They're just looking around, saying, what's everyone else doing? So going back to my one of two scenarios, either we pay politicians lots of money, and we get qualified people who are willing to make decisions, or we pay them nothing and let the ones who really care about the country and the direction that we're headed volunteer. I just, I'd rather see people who have been through a lot of tough decisions that have seen ups and downs in economies. I'd rather have them make a decision and go with it. And none of this like dance around the middle line, like just, just pick an option and do it. And a lot of people will say, yeah, well, that's why we need term limits, you know, get them corrupt politicians out of there. And I don't think we need term limits. I don't. You know Why? Because it's our job to vote them out. We, if, if we're having to force people out of office, it's because no one paid attention enough to vote them out. And what does it do when you, when you force people out of office and you've got a good guy in there, a guy that the state likes and he's behind and he's made a bunch of great decisions, he's got a track record, he's not scared to speak his mind, you force him out of there. 
I don't know what it's going to take for people to start following local politics. They don't, though. They go vote once every four years for the president. All right. I'm going to talk a little bit about coronavirus. I've been thinking about one thing in particular, but I'm going to start at the other, other end of the story. So can we all agree, without even knowing the business structure of hospitals, that some people along the lines stand to gain when hospitals make higher profits. So I would assume that we can all answer yes from that. We obviously know that there's no hospital owner and there's not a guy sitting in there like Scrooge counting the the hospital billing numbers. But there are people out there who are expected to make sure that the hospitals earn X amount of money, whether it be to contribute to a charity, whether it just be to make sure that everyone gets a paycheck. There are people out there who benefit if hospitals are profitable. The federal government has publicly announced, or they've made it no secret, that they're paying, and I don't even remember the dollar amounts, they're paying X amount of dollars for a COVID patient who checks in. They're paying Y amount of dollars for a COVID patient who goes into ICU. And I don't even know if it's one time or per day. That doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's just they're, they're being compensated for, for those two items. And so if we can agree that there's someone up there who can, who can stand to gain from profit, now we can go back and talk about this money that they're making. Would it be to the hospital's benefit to classify patients as having COVID-19, even if they might not have it, or would it benefit them to put them in the ICU, even though they might not need it just to be safe? Yes, of course. Now, the frontline workers, the doctors and the nurses, are they thinking that? Of course not. Their main goal is to save lives. But the guy at the very, very top, he sees that. He sees, hey, Bob, Bill here. Hey, Bill. Hey, man, uh, you know how we were worried about how we're going to pay for all these COVID patients that were checking in and that they don't have insurance, they don't have any money? Yeah, yeah, of course I remember. Well, we just got a letter from the Fed. Uh, it says they're going to pay us $15,000 if someone checks in with COVID. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Wow, man, that's great. Okay, yeah. And it also says that uh, we're going to get 20000 to go to ICU. Really? Man, that is great. Like, I was really worried how we are going to take care of those people. Yeah, yeah, me too. Well, okay, cool. Let's uh, let's talk again tomorrow. Ring, ring, ring. Next day. Hey, uh, Bill, have you told the staff um, about this extra money? No, no, I hadn't really mentioned it to them. It's not really. I mean, none of their business. It's how we pay our bills. Yeah, cool. Yeah, let's just stress to them the importance of this virus and and make sure that everyone understands that. You know, we can't let people out there walking around if they have the symptoms. We can't, you know, we really need to focus on getting them into ICU, making sure they're safe, making sure they're staying there. Yeah, yeah, I hear you, buddy. I agree. I feel the same way. Okay, cool. And that's it. That's all it takes. And the word trickles down from there. And now the goal is to keep people in the hospital, to keep them in ICU. And you can't say that the people at the top don't care about the people, but you can say that they also care about money. Because we already agreed that they benefit with more money. So let's take that number now. Let's just say, well, all hospitals wouldn't do that. Yep, you're absolutely right. All hospitals would not do that. So let's just come up with a percentage of hospitals that would do that. Okay, um, 10%. Let's just say 10% of hospitals are going a little above and beyond on the COVID uh, cases and the check-ins. In order to fatten their pockets, 10%. What does that do now? Okay, so we can, if there's a 10% chance that a hospital is doing it, then we can assume that 10% of all hospitals are doing it. So one out of 10 hospitals are doing this. 
What does that do to the numbers that get reported for COVID? It skews them by 10%. Now, well, I, I'm going to take that back. It doesn't necessarily, but it could skew them by up to as much as 10%. So what does that mean? I don't know. All it means is that some numbers could be off. That's all it means. And I don't think it's unreasonable to question these things. Like, there should be, we can afford to pay one person to go audit every hospital. I mean, that we could take it out of something. The money could come from somewhere. We could take one person and they audit each hospital. They're, they're a doctor. There's lots of doctors that are unemployed right now that'd be happy to go work on a contract basis. They could go around and double check and make sure everything's on the up and up and kosher. This goes back to what I was saying the other day. Don't blame the people for taking advantage of the system. Blame the system for not being tight enough so that it can't be taken advantage of. And, and it really bothers me when people get after someone for asking questions. Just like the mask mandate. You know, I'm not going to go into too many details, but it's okay to ask why. It is okay to wear the mask and ask why and when and how long and for what. It's fine. You can do both. But we, we're, it's programmed into our brain to fall into one of two categories. Almost everything we do or we talk about or we look at or we applause or we're involved with, it's one of two categories. And so that naturally puts us at the position of, oh, you're asking questions about the mask? Well, just wear it because you hate old people. <laughs> what? What are you talking about? I just want to know how long we're going to wear the masks. What happens if we don't wear the mask? Who's going to enforce this law? I mean, there are so many questions that we should be asking, even if we love old people. That's it. Ask questions. Because the minute that we stop asking questions and holding people accountable is the minute that we get taken advantage of. And of course, masks aren't any big deal in the grand scheme of things. I have my opinions on whether or not they work and the efficacy of them, but I'm willing to wear it to give it a shot. I just want to see some data. And I'm going to stop talking about masks right there because I'm going to talk about them some more tomorrow. But don't think for a second I'm about to lighten up. Next topic, statues and the destruction thereof. I know this is a heavily race-related topic, or it tends to work out that way. And I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I know what it's like to be a black person, to walk up on a statue of someone who used to own slaves. Like, that is a feeling that I will never know. And that's when I really started to question it. Like, okay, should we tear these statues down? Um... And I'm not even going to talk about whether or not we should do it. Well, I am kind of, but I'm not going to sit here and scream about, no, we shouldn't tear them down. There's, that's our history. We're, we're not going to do that. Like, I'm not going to. I would like to think how I would feel if I were a black man and I saw those statues. I would like to think that I would look at him and I would look at me and say, man, sucks to be you. Look how far I came. You know, I could be an NBA basketball player. I could be a rapper. I could be anything I want to be. And here you are, get a statue yourself, and you owned people. Hope you're happy, son. Look at you now. That's, that's how I would like to think I would feel. Of course, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how I would feel. I do, however, disapprove of the destruction of statues without the permission of whoever owns them or put them there or placed them. Like, that's destruction of property. And if you think something should be removed, then you go about doing it the right way. And people will take you more seriously. You know, instead of, instead of showing up with a chain in a truck and ripping it down like you're ISIS, maybe you should go through your political leaders and encourage them that this is not acceptable. I also think that a lot of people forget about time and what it does to perception. 
So people are wanting to remove statues of people who owned slaves. I, I think that's the threshold. It's owned them, I think, which, you know, I don't know. Maybe it's fought for them to keep them or it's owned them. I'm not sure what it is, but there's this parameter of statues that people think should be removed. And it has to do with slavery. If we rewind time to the Civil War times, we look at slavery, and now it's super messed up. There's not many people, or I would venture to say no one thinks that people should own other humans. No, no one thinks that, at least in the U.S. There are other countries that still practice it, but we're not talking about them. But back then, and, and I'm not making excuses. You, you know, there's lots of people out there who say, well, don't make excuses for the way they were. I'm not making excuses, but I'm going to try to break it down. There are things that we do that as time goes on, become more and more and more wrong. So we have to remember, in the Civil War, it wasn't like, houses weren't divided. Neighborhoods weren't divided. I want to keep slaves. I want to end slaves. Less than 5% of people owned slaves. So President Lincoln just wanted the war to end. He actually came out and he said, hey, if we can just end the war, I will not abolish slavery. He, he agreed that he wouldn't abolish it. And then he ended up flipping and still doing it, which... That's great. That's fine. It needed to end. But going back to my point, as time goes on, it becomes more and more inconceivable. And so if you think about, let's just say that um, there's certain things that we're doing today or that we were doing 20 years ago that seem a little bit wrong today. How about uh, mink farming? Like, what? You're going to like farm animals to kill them, make clothes out of them? <laughs> Do what? Or keeping marine mammals in captivity? Whoa, 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 whoa. You're going to take these animals that we now know are just as smart as humans and they understand self-awareness and they feel depression. And this is all assuming that this is learned in the future, right? So I'm, I'm speaking from 100 years from now. And y'all going to keep them in little tiny cages and you're going to build statues of people who trained them? What, you guys starved them and you made them hungry so that they would want to eat fish so you could get them to do your little shows? Like, what's wrong with you people? And as time goes on, it gets more and more wrong. Maybe we should take down the statues. Maybe we should leave them up and understand why they're there. Yes, this person trained mammals and kept them in cages, but they were the first point. That was the first point to what we started to realize, hey, guys, what we're doing is wrong. And they were really good at training them, and they helped us figure them out. So when you look at those statues of the people who trained dolphins, don't think of them as people who trained dolphins. Think of them as people who got the movement started. And they were on the wrong side of the coin, but they still got the movement started. And, and what it really boils down to is whether or not the people of the community want the statues gone. And I think the simple solution would be to have a little box in front of the statue. Hey, guys, this box is going to be here for 60 days. It's got a little thumbprint reader on it. It doesn't matter if you live in the area. It doesn't matter if you're male, female, of voting age, non-voting age. It's just your opinion. Do you think we should tear down the statue? You can live in a clear across the country and come vote. You don't have to live in the area. There's no verification of location. So if you really care, you'll go from California to Birmingham, Alabama, and you'll vote. Did the statue of Robert E. Lee be taken down? Double thumbprint deal. You push a red button or a green button, and that's it. For 60 days, you gather the votes. You want the statues down? You take the statues down. You want to leave them up? You leave them up. Sorry, majority wins. And the people who really care, they will go vote. They will make the rounds. They'll drive all through the South. They'll spend one summer long. Come on, kids, we're going to go vote. We're tearing down statues this summer. Or, come on, kids, we're going to go vote. We're making sure statues don't get torn down this summer. And that's it. It's as simple as that. This way, instead of letting people that are 
breaking the law dictate where and when and what kind of statues we put, we take a vote. We do it democratically. Because what if, what if only 2% of the U.S. wants these statues pulled down? I don't know what the number is. No one has any way of knowing. What if it's 98%? Yes, tear them down. 98% of the people want them gone? Get rid of them. But it's not the place of a small minority group of lawbreakers to decide. Speaking of lawbreakers, uh, when I was in Budapest, I found this, uh, this little park. I think I was walking to visit some, some castle. And I stopped at this park. And all these people were kind of gathered around looking at something in the grass. I'm like, what are these people? What are y'all looking at? What are y'all see? So I walked over there, and I see this lady, and she has this little dachshund. Man, I really, <laughs> really don't know if I told this before. I, I don't know. Half the time I feel like I'm telling a story. I'm like, oh, yeah, I already talked about that. I don't know. I'm going to go ahead and tell it anyway. So I walked up, and everyone was kind of cheering. I'm like, what is this lady doing? Like dog tricks? What's everyone cheering about? What are hollering about? And so the dog was playing with this giant raven this bird and at first i thought it was just like a one-time deal and it was a wild bird it wasn't like a pet and so the story goes that this lady shows up every day at a certain time 4 30 or whatever with her dog and a bird the same bird comes to the park i think one of the most amazing things to me is two different species of animals who play together interspecies play as the nerds call it like when cats play with dogs and dogs play with cats. I mean, that's a common one. But but dogs and birds, like dogs who are the dachshund, like they're little critter getters. Like they they enjoy to catch things and thrashing them. But somehow or another, this bird and this dog formed a little relationship and they played together. And the, the, the bird doesn't speak dog and the dog doesn't speak bird. But for some reason... If we don't have political viewpoints that are the same, we can't get along. Are you telling me that two animals that don't look alike, don't think alike, don't talk alike, don't move alike can get along? But if you don't share the same opinion with someone about Black Lives Matter, then you can't get along? Come on, man. Because we don't see eye to eye about police brutality, we can't get along? We're so much smarter than dogs and birds, and we can't look past that? Think about people you know, and maybe it's not you, but it's people that you know that have changed their feelings about people based on their political viewpoints or what they expect socially. Like, it really changes the way people feel about people, and that it's not a good place to be. I just don't think it can be good. Like, we can't... Look, coronavirus is a perfect example. Like, we can't, we can't agree on anything. How are we going to make progress if we can't agree on anything? So... The moral of the story is if half of us were dogs and half were birds, the world would be a better place. All right. I think that's about enough for today. I'm glad I'm not a dog or a bird. But if, if man, if I was a little dog, I would have the most animal friends. I would have squirrels. I would have birds. I would try to be friends with fish. It just seems like life's more fun if you have a bunch of friends, even if they're not like you. And that is all. That is all for today. So go out there and be friends with people who are different than you. Even if you don't agree on anything, you can still be their friends. I'm going for a walk. And I don't know why I'm sounding like I'm mad, because I'm not. <laughs> Have a great day. Thanks again for listening. Life in Paradise podcast. Keep it tranquilo. Keep it tranquilo.